Sean, do you write every day? Do I write every day? I do now. Um, I don't always. Uh, I'm working on a screenplay that I'm trying to finalize. So yeah, I write every every day. Um, but uh, I'll definitely um, go through phases where I can't write. You know, um, or, or where I can't write, uh, or I don't feel uh, like I have the ability to write. You know. And when you go through that, are you, did you used to be hard on yourself and now you just accept it as part of the process or how does that work? No, I don't accept, uh, I, I'm always hard on myself and I don't accept that as part of the process. Um, I just, uh, I, uh, um, I just am. Uh, and, uh, sort of always rewriting as I write and um, never happy with anything out of the gate, uh, I guess what I'll say to you is that I don't write very quickly in that respect. I sort of inch by inch, word by word, go through the, the, the pages and I think uh, I'm a little bit of a slower writer in that respect than other people because if I give a first draft to somebody, the chances are it's, it's more like a, a fifth or sixth draft, you know, I've, I've kind of I, I'll go the next day and just rewrite what I did the day before then get into new stuff you know oh, okay so you'll go back and, and sort of revise you oh, won't put it in a drawer for three weeks and no I never I don't I don't <clears throat> if I ever blast through pages you know uh, which is from rare for me like if I ever just like whip out five pages um, you can be sure that the next day I will rewrite those pages and then I'll rewrite them again the next Friday and then I'll rewrite I'll probably write them Rewrite them 11 times before they ever see the light of day to a person reading them. You know, uh, I mean, it's not going to say it takes seven years or anything, but I, I'm always sort of just kind of getting caught up in the polishing and the making sure of the the aesthetic of the script is as important as the as the characters and the story and the narrative. Um, you know, making sure the pages read like butter is very important. Um, to, to me uh, and to the reader, to whether that be a, a producer or an actor, or actress, or a financer, it's it's part of it. And I, for some reason, I go down those rabbit holes uh, a lot. Do you think that comes from being a musician as well, or just? Oh, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I think it comes from. Uh, um, I don't know. I just I I just if a word is off or wrong, or if something doesn't feel like you know, it, if there's a rhythm off of the dialogue. Uh, I think this actually more comes from improv classes, you know, because when I was in college, uh, I really just wanted to be an actor. And uh, imp when you do improv, and I was in a, 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 a few different groups uh, and a few different acting coaches, one of them actually passed away a, a, a few months ago, but... Um, when you improvise, it's a very empowering, uh, enlightening thing, and I think um, it, 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 it's great if you are a writer um, to have that experience, because essentially what you can do then <clears throat> is you can take two characters and really not know where anything is going and let them improvise on the page. Um, and that's how I write, really is I, I, bound, I improvise between two characters on I me. Mean, well, what would I like the next person to say? What would be nice? And then what's the good rhythm? Um, 
And then I hate it the next day. You know, that's basically how it works. As I said before we began rolling, we have a lot of screenwriters who watch our channel. I'm wondering if you can talk about how you and your writing partner, Jason, um, ended up getting uh, signed with an agency. Oh, good question. So we were um, bashing each other's screenplays. We were roommates uh, in New York. We were slumming it in Queens. We were 23 years old, 24, and we were um, critiquing each other's scripts. Uh, and then we decided, why don't we just write one together? And we wrote uh, this movie. It was called Sydney Hall, not The Vanishing of Sydney Hall at the time. And uh, we were interested in uh, this idea of how, how uh, different we were when we were 18 and now we're 24. And we felt like you know, we had changed a lot. Not necessarily matured, not necessarily a better person. And we wanted to write something that reflected that. Uh, so we wrote Sydney Hall. We wrote it in, I don't know, a half year or so. Um, and uh, we emailed it back and forth to each other. And then uh, a friend of mine, um, um, Paul Wesley, uh, had a manager and he gave it to the manager and she gave it to, uh, uh, at that time, yeah, WME. And um, WME, uh, an agent over there, read it uh, and uh, really loved it and signed us. Um, and that's uh, really how it was. So I had an actor friend, essentially, who had a manager. And uh, really, it's Paul Wesley's fault that I'm in this industry uh, because he did that. Um, and he also is good with notes and, and has helped me with other uh, giving me notes on some of my other screenplays, but uh, I think for an aspiring screenwriter, unsolicited scripts is the problem, right? You know, you, you know, finding out who to give it to or, or anything like that. I think, uh, you know, people in, in, in the film industry, uh, the film industry is completely and wholly based on relationships and knowing people. And you don't have to know the, the big stars or the big managers or anything like that, but I think any aspiring screenwriter, if they know someone who plays bit parts on a show or something like that, and that person has a manager or an agent, I'd say that's the, a good route to go, the way we did it, which is, you know, see if they like your script and maybe give it to them and see and, and, and get it so that, you know, a screenplay coming from, uh, if a screenplay goes to someone of importance who can pay pay you to rewrite it or pay for it to be made or, or make it into a movie, um, and you know someone who knows someone that is friends with them, they'll read it if it comes from a friend as opposed to if it's submitted uh, just, you know, out of the blue from nowhere, you know. How did you know this story was special? Or, or maybe... I didn't. You didn't? Yeah. Uh, we, 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 felt, we felt it was special because we... We felt special, I guess, yes, because we... I don't know, because when you write a screenplay, I think you think it's special. You know, um, whether or not it is special is sort of up to the, you know, the gods of the future. Um, but we thought it was special. I guess we thought it was special because we enjoyed writing with each other. And we enjoyed the story that we had built. And we had some good plot twists. And we liked the nonlinear structure. And we had written, 
you know, uh, he, he, Jason had written four or five or six screenplays at that point, and I had written uh, uh, two. <clears throat> and so when you get to your third script, your third feature script, you've learned, you, you, trust me, you've learned a lot. And, and, and I think us teaming up, his weaknesses and strengths and my weaknesses and strengths really were, were, uh, were worked well together. He's very good at things that I'm not and vice versa. And so we liked it and we gave it to um, ten, 10 of our friends. Um, here's something that I would advise any screenwriter to do who's starting out. You have a screenplay, don't uh, send the PDF to a person and ask them to read it. It's just, you're never going to get anything like that. What you have to do is you have to make it a special thing. You have to say, what we did was we took 10 friends, some in the industry, some not in the industry. We didn't know many people in the industry, but you know, friends who we trusted and thought they were smart. And we said, we have a hard copy of the screenplay. Um, we'd like you to come over to, we had an office that he, my, my uh, co-writer was working for a, um, um, someone in an office in Manhattan. We would like you to come over to the office, if you wouldn't mind. We're not going to stand over you like, uh, you know, uh, um, Funny Farm and like, you know, watch you read the pages or whatever. Uh, but we'd like you to read it and we'll walk away. We'll be gone for a couple hours. You can write notes, whatever. You can bash it. We don't care. We just want like 10 different people's point of view. So that's what we did. We, we had 10 people read it, uh, like they couldn't leave with it, they couldn't take it, we didn't, you know, that way we know they're going to read it, you know, uh, and, um, and we're not going to stand over their shoulder. We like left the office, came back, and then we sit down with them and we just talk it out with them. We took all their notes, we decided what we, what we were feeling and, and where the sort of the consensus notes were, and then we went right back into it and, and, and two weeks later we had like a script that we were able to, we felt could uh, perhaps be given to people to, of, of note. So you felt in giving a, a PDF that it would just sit in someone's inbox and they would maybe find a reason to say, oh, you know what, I'm so sorry, I'm really busy, but by having them there, sitting them down, you know, with uninterrupted time, it was just a better way to actually... It's, I mean, it's, listen, that's a fact. I mean, think about it in terms of being on the other side of the coin. Mm -hmm. If your friend sends a PDF, a hundred-page PDF of you of something, and maybe, by the way, you're not a screenwriter, you're like their friend, and you don't really read screenplays a lot, it's a, seem, it's, it's a daunting task. It's a task that, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it. You could be excited about reading a screenplay that comes into your inbox, but generally speaking, in the, the age we live in, with emails and social media and all these things going on for people to get distracted by, to read your friend or your cousin's or your second cousin, your friend's brother's uncle's screenplay or whatever, you know, we felt that no one's going to read our script if we just send them a PDF of it. We felt, let's just set a time for them to read it, not like be, not be in the room when they read it, but that way they'll read it, and then right after they read it, we get their fresh, unfiltered, you know, like feelings about the screenplay. And then if we see things from like, if six out of the ten of them are saying, this is no good, well then, 
you know, we know that's something we got to work on. What do you love about being a screenwriter? Well, I actually like the format of a screenplay. Um, I know it's odd to say that because, you know, it's, it's written for, for cinema. It's a cinematic format. But there's something about a screenplay that, I guess, uh, cuts to the chase. You know, you just kind of get right to it. Whereas in a novel, you know, you could spend two pages talking about the decor of the room. You know, in a screenplay, you don't have that kind of time. You have to kind of get right straight to the, to the, uh, um, the essence of the, the scene. And I like the screenplay format also because you can start in the middle of a scene and end in the middle of the scene. In other words, you don't need to say hi and bye and hello and then sit in the couch. You can just, boom, you're in, you're in the scene. You know, it's... Uh, I just watched recently uh, When Harry Met Sally. If you look at that movie, it's really just a bunch of vignettes of scenes. You know, they're always sort of mid-jogging, talking about life and each other or whatever, or they're mids, he's mid-eating a sandwich and they're talking about orgasms. You know, everything starts in the middle, ends in the middle, and you're on to the next scene. Um, that happens uh, a lot in screenplays, whereas in the novel or the book, um, you know, you're walking through a lot of times, it depends on the writer, of course, but I just like the, um, the, the sort of the way in screenplays you can kind of just, I guess for lack of a better word, riff from one thing to another and just kind of uh, roll onto an adventure. Why did it take 10 years for this film to be made? We had the film uh, optioned and then bought out by uh, a really great in independent producer and a great director. And then uh, they couldn't get the money together or something, uh, and we were just, you know, kind of poor, you know, kids just sitting around waiting for them to do something. And then it just kind of got, they bought it out because they thought they were going to make it, and they didn't, and then it got stuck at Fox. After a while, they all left Fox, and Fox, the, the studio itself, didn't realize they even had this screenplay. So <clears throat> there was a little loophole with the WGA, the Writers Guild, about getting your screenplay back. Most people, I should say, don't get their screenplays back. Uh, but this particular screenplay, it's a small script, or it's a small premise, and we thought we had a shot at buying it back for the price we sold it for, which was not very much. And uh, we asked Fox, if they would uh, give it back to us. And, um, you know, they did. You know, uh, they, they gave it back to us for the price that uh, we, basically for the price that we, they bought it for, and we went and, and made it. But we had to wait uh, with that clause, the WGA clause, you have to wait five years. You have to wait five years after the last rewrite or the last active, it's called active development. And uh, a studio will find any way they can to not uh, give you back your script, they'll, you know, active development can be misconstrued as anything. I mean, it, that, who, you know, that could be a lunch. I mean, they could say anything. That's not really illegal. It's so loose, you know. But Fox, uh, they simply, simply put, they just didn't really know that the screenplay was in their vault because uh, the people who had brought it in had left, and uh, we got it back.
Did you lay awake at night thinking, I want this screenplay back, or it was more of a process where it came at the right time, the five years was up? Um, uh, it was more in the back of my head. Uh, uh, when I had heard about this, this, this WGA clause, the five-year thing, um, which was like a couple months after we had been, we had done like a quick rewrite on it, um, I kind of just set my internal back of my head timer and Jason Dolan, the, the, the screenwriter, uh, the screenwriter, um, we, we just kind of set it in our heads that, you know, whenever it was, 2016, I think it was, we are able to re- reacquire the screenplay and by that time um, I think I had just made my first feature and uh, and I was able to uh, attract more interest to make a second feature and so the timing was right on it but but really to be truthful I actually didn't necessarily want to make the movie I just wanted the script back uh, but uh, you know um, we made it <laughs> How did you spend your first few years as a screenwriter? I know you said you initially wanted to be an actor, and I know you've had you know, a career as a musician, but how did you spend your first few years as an actual screenwriter, and then how is it for you now? Is it the same, just more years behind you in terms of what you don't like, what you do like? Oh, it's much different. Um, it's, uh, so, um, when I first wrote screenplays, you know, you write, you're writing it for the, the fun of the medium or you want to write movies or be in the film business or you have a great story to tell, whatever your reasons are, combination of all those things. Um, but when you, what happened for me is we had an agent, as uh, I said, from this little script. And once you have an agent, especially you're at a big agency like WME, you have access. And when you have access, uh, it, it charges you to make you know now you can really write because you know you can get the screenplay to people it's you know it's a different thing and so I wrote a couple bigger movies bigger in uh, action movies I guess we'll call them and these movies went into the big studios and they got <clears throat> they went through the engine the factory and the writer can get really destroyed in that factory and I got destroyed in that factory um, doesn't happen all the time but I wrote a couple popcorn movies and they got rewritten head to toe one of them didn't get made one did uh, but it was an excruciating experience and it really quite frankly made me not want to write anymore um, that's really when I got into directing because my feeling was I don't know if I'm a good director but I really don't know if I'm a good writer was the thing so maybe if I get maybe if I shoot my words myself like a short film um, I'll know if I really belong here or not you know um, and I did this short film called Brink which didn't have a lot of uh, uh, dialogue in it and people, it was very short film, uh, kind of a sci-fi romance, real quiet film. Um, beautiful music by my composer, Darren Morsey. I actually made the film based on his music. And it was refreshing because, as I said, it didn't have a lot of dialogue, so I really didn't have a script. I didn't write a script for this film. 
And it was fun to just direct something, not write it, because I was so, uh, I really didn't think I was a good writer at that point. Uh, and uh, it's nice to just work with friends. I had a camera, we shot this short film, and then we, we just started write, doing short films, myself and my producing partner, Damon Russell. And uh, then I got into d directing, and that was, uh, that kind of rounded me back to liking to write again because um, I realized that um, I, can, I can have confidence in some of what I do. I don't have confidence in most of what I do, but I, I can have confidence in writing again once I started directing. Is there a specific structure you use or prefer when writing screenplays? Well, it depends on the script. For example, right now I, I'm writing a screenplay. I've just started writing screenplays based on true, uh, uh, true life stories. This is my second one I'm in right now. And it's a whole different experience than the other stuff I did, which is just original material. I prefer writing the true story or the stuff based on real life stuff because quite frankly, the people's stories are better than my imagination a lot. You know, some, some of their own stories of what has happened is better, you know, than what I would make up. Uh, and, uh, and in those cases, you know, I have to do a lot of research and adapt. So adapting a script and an original screenplay are two different things. For an original screenplay, I usually start with the characters and let them talk to each other and kind of have an, I have an idea of the plot. I don't outline. Uh, I, I just let the characters infer the plot. Like I know the concept or I know the overall beginning, middle, and end, and I let the characters decide how we get from the middle and the end. I let them you know, just bounce off each other, again, like improvising, and then I build around that. But for adapting, you can't really do that. Um, so you kind of have to gather all the facts and do all the research and then uh, it's honestly something I'm learning to be to be to be honest I I'm I'm really just kind of writing out all the things the great moments that I think in in this particular script I'm writing and and then I knowing that I'm gonna cut half of them out but just really I write them out because they're fun they're great they're interesting to me and then when I find out they're not interesting to anyone else when I do a little again I'll give it to 10 key people and I'll see the consensus of what is working and what is not. Where is the screenplay slow? Which character is not uh, needed? Can I take two characters and combine them? I'll do that stuff after I kind of give it to my inner circle of people who I think are smart and trust. Bouncing a screenplay is very important off of people if uh, you have the ability to do that. What's the most important part of the screenwriting process that if it was taken away, it would just totally make the whole thing you know, not fun, it would negate the whole process for you? Um, for, me, <clears throat> for me, the most important part of the process, I guess, is, well, I mean, the most important part of any process of writing, whether it's a screenplay or not, is the dreaming, you know, the dreaming of making another world or telling a new fresh story. I don't know if that's particular to screenwriting. Um, but again, I do like 
the cinematic format of a screenplay. Uh, I'm not going to say that I prefer it to uh, a novel or a book, but there is an immediacy to it. And I guess if screenplays didn't have that immediacy, maybe I wouldn't be as attracted to writing it. But I like that kind of, uh, uh, you know, that sort of, I guess, Hunter S. Thompson sort of like really rapid fire way that you can write a script. Not everyone writes screenplays like that. You know, some people, like Manchester by the Sea, I'm sure isn't written that way. You know, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a slow, slow drive and it's just the, the characters are subtly and beautifully, you know, and, and there's, there, there's different gears you can, you can use to write a screenplay. Um, and, uh, and sometimes you want to write a slow one and sometimes you want to write a fast one. And that's, uh, that's, I think, part of the fun. Is there a specific book that you've enjoyed reading uh, that's taught you about the writing process or maybe indirectly taught you about it that's not really intended for screenwriters? Well, I, didn't, I read a Sid Field book when I started out. And um, I had read it, uh, and I liked some of what he had to say. And I read How to Be a Screenplay, or whatever, some book, you know, for dummies or something, How to Be a Screenplay. That, that didn't do anything <laughs> for me. Uh, once in a while, these books work uh, when they tell you things to avoid. Um, I think those, when you, when, you get a, when you go to the store, you're going to see 75 books that say How to Be a Screenwriter. I'd say the most valuable aspect of those books are, are often the parts where they tell you to avoid um, the things they say stay away from, you know, because there are cliches, there are a lot of them, and when people in the film industry read those cliches over and over again, um, you know, they, it, it, it has an effect on them. Um, my, I got my experience from reading my favorite movies or my favorite screenplays. So I, uh, and I remember when I opened up Sid Field's book, uh, I think his first one, he was talking about Chinatown. And he's talking about how he thinks it might be one of the best, or the best screenplay of the 1970s, he said. And I had just at that time gotten into Chinatown. I had watched it like eight times in a row. I was, you know, whatever. I was 18 years old. I had just really discovered it. And I loved it. It's what made me want to be a screenwriter. And then to see him say that in his prologue, I was like, oh, okay, now I want to be on this guy's. And I read Chinatown. I read, I remember I read uh, Shawshank Redemption and American Beauty. And uh, well, I wanted to read American Beauty because uh, a lot maybe people don't know this, but it has a whole different ending than the movie. You know, I wanted to read the shooting screenplays and see how different they were from the, the, uh, the actual movie. I read... I got a lot of uh, information I felt from a, from, a script, from the screenplay for The People versus Larry Flint. Um, reason being, uh, that is based on a, on a true story, obviously. Larry Flint, I think, had eight wives. And in the movie, there's just Courtney Love. And that was just a revelation to me, you know, that you can, in order to make a movie work in a certain uh, time period, Here's how you can cheat the numbers and still be mostly true. Um, that was obviously a big cheat, but uh, the People versus Larry Flint, I remember, what, and Shawshank were big ones for me for learning a lot about uh, the the formatting of the script and you know how much action and how little action you need when you 
when you're at your heading and things like that. The formatting is very important. You know, the aesthetic is very important. And, and I, I basically learned by reading screenplays. When you write a first draft, how detailed is that first draft? How detailed? What do you mean how detailed? In the, uh... um, you know, I know you talked about previously off camera that you will go back over something fairly soon, but when you're first writing this, when you're creating this world, when you're sitting down, um, how, how you know, much are you getting into the details of, of the characters? Are you really thinking about their backstory? Or are you just kind of like putting out a structure, and you don't outline, but of sort of the story? How much are you actually paying attention to certain things? Are you just getting just words out first? Well, it depends on which script. It depends on this, where the story is coming from. But generally speaking, uh, I don't have a backstory um, beyond a sentence or two. Okay, you know, I don't know what they, you know, what they were like in sixth grade or anything like that. I just kind of take from people in real life, or combine people in real life, or think of people I know. And I, again, I just bounce these characters off each other knowing that this one is, you know, sort of uh, feisty and this one is sort of mellow and this one is sort of this and then you can add on the second and the third adjective sort of as you, as you go. But I think in the, in the beginning, if I'm going to introduce a character that I've never written in my life, you know, I uh, say, you know, Joe, 25, um, persistent, you know, I don't know, I'll say two adjectives and then I'll just move forward. That's it. It's real, real quick. Um, and then I don't necessarily have to deliver on those adjectives if I feel like it's going in another direction. Maybe he's not persistent. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's lackluster. Maybe he's lazy. I don't know. I have to like write him out a little bit. I have to let him talk in order to, to, to know. Um, but the dynamic between characters is important and the chemistry. So I always start there. That's where I start. And the story and the concept I have as like, you know, a sentence. It's, just, it's not an outline. It's not an, it, that's not detailed or in depth. The first draft will be detailed um, to the absolute, ex to the extent it needs to be in order to be concise to the point and not dragging anywhere where we don't need to be, in, in particularly in the action. So uh, we enter this room. Am I going to tell you that it's got blue walls and a couch? No, because the characters are what are important. And the room is for the director. That's not my job. I'm the screenwriter. The room is for the director to decide. And if you're the director and the screenwriter, great, or whatever. But you know, people respond to characters first and foremost. And so that's just really the most detailed part of my screenplays. The action, I would say, is the briefest part of my scripts. Did you audition Logan Lerman for the role of Sidney Hall? I did audition Logan, and Logan doesn't have to audition for roles. But he, uh, <laughs> See why? he's a class act. So yes, he, he came in and read. Great. With the character Sidney Hall, is it based on a real person? I mean, I felt a huge connection. To, I felt that there was someone or a composite of someone that was very real there. Mm -hmm. But maybe it was just a meshing of different feelings you have, or yeah, that's a. I guess that's accurate. It's a meshing of different feelings I've had, um, particularly the unfortunate 
a byproduct, I think, of, of when you're in your, into your art or your writing or whatever, which is to be self-indulgent and to ignore people who are around you and to not pay attention and not be present was something that I uh, don't like about myself, something that I wanted to implement into Sydney Hall. Um, of course, Logan also being someone who uh, has an immense amount of talent and can jump into characters and, and he's very young for the ability that he, that he has, he understands what that is too. It's, it's uh, you know, I just saw Phantom Thread and you know that character he's so into his thing it's like he doesn't even know someone's sitting at a table with him i wanted to get into that i don't know why that is or why i've done that uh i regret having done that in my uh you know younger years and so i wanted to get to the bottom of that for sure um but yeah it's a massive bunch of people bunch of bunch of artists and writers and how they deal and the things that sort of fall apart around them as they're as they're self-involved in their whatever their little thing is you know at the, in the end of the day you could just say well it's just a movie <laughs> but most often when you're writing a screenplay you want to write Citizen Kane and you want to write the great movie and it can never be just a movie when you're writing a screenplay. You know, you, you're aiming for the heavens, right? And so when you're in it, you're in it like that. And, uh, and you can kind of get so in it that you're not paying attention to life around you. Do you think it's okay to give artists a pass for that? Because we hear that from so many people, whether it's even entrepreneurs, they're so focused. I mean, if you, if you read about you know, the beginnings of Apple, I think mm -hmm. those were some complaints that the families around them had. They were spending so much time working on this thing. Mm -hmm. So is it just part of, if you're going to turn your life over to creating something, whatever it is, well, I mean, is it, I don't know if you're talking about the people who know these artists, if they're supposed to give it a pass, <laughs> them a pass, that's up to them. Yeah. The people who enjoy the work, I don't know if those people necessarily need to make judgments or not. It's up to you if you want to make a judgment about a person, if you know about their private life, you think they're an awful person in real life, you know that. that you're allowed to not watch their stuff, you're allowed to rant about their work or whatever. Obviously we know there are some beautiful artists, people like Picasso, who were very damaging psychologically to the people around them. Um, do we still love his work? Um, we do, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's not to say that he's a great guy necessarily. Um, I don't know. I don't think the people around artists really understand that they're being put to the side as much as they are is actually the real problem or that they're being abused or ignored or whatever and then there's artists who are just amazing and they don't do that and they know and they understand um, particularly actors by the way uh, especially a lot of actors in this movie who are able to go in front of a camera and turn into this whole other thing you've never seen before and then when the camera's off you talk to them and they're just a normal person um, 
a lot of the people on this movie are really just, uh, again, you know, they're class acts and they just kind of, they don't have those issues. It's not all artists have, not everyone's an artist. You know, they say they're an artist, but they're not. Um, I think that um, some people are just professional and they know how to separate and compartmentalize and some people don't, yeah. What's interesting was that Sydney was so, he was like three different people in the film. So yeah. you have the beginning where, you know, he's, he's bullied and he doesn't sort of fit in and that's mm -hmm. sort of what makes his writing beautiful is mm -hmm. because of that. So if he had been the jock character, mm -hmm. it might not have turned into that. Um, but then as a result of that, kind of what happens when someone gets their comeuppance, so to speak. Yeah. And it might just be a natural part of that, yeah. having been the misfit for so long. So yeah. um, I think a lot of people that have been in high school in that situation can probably relate to that in some sense. I also think, you know, today, in this day and age, it's more often than it used to be. In other words, in this day and age, it feels like if you were made fun of in school, in high school, or you were like bullied, or you were like nobody, you know, you were a misfit or whatever, um, then later on, you become editor of the New Yorker or something, you know what I mean? And <laughs> right. you like have power and you're allowed to have an ego and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, you, you, know you, you, you can over, overstep boundaries when that happens because you're compensating for something you never had, popularity. That's a good point. I think it's embraced more. You know, yeah. it's a rite of passage. Oh, they were bullied. Okay, that, that explains it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Creatively, what is something that you're struggling with now? Oh, that's easy. I have a film that I'm writing that's really two movies, quite simply. I have enough for a limited series and I'm writing it in one feature. And that is, uh, that's, that's a big struggle for me right now. I have enough material to go on for 200 pages. As you know, you, you just can't write a 200 page screenplay. Uh, so again, I'm just gonna write it all out and then kind of see where it's not working for people and pare it down and then kind of decide if maybe it's one feature or if it's some other format because we live in, a, in an age now where there's all kinds of different ways to different platforms to release things but today my big problem is a problem I've never had before which is too much material too many good stories for this particular person that I'm writing a movie about 